0: Welcome back, Devils on the Rush, episode 18. The Devils had a busy week with three games. They started with the Golden Knights, where when the Knights ran out of luck as Jack Hughes jousted the Devils to a victory. Unfortunately fell to the Predators, but then rebounded, and the Dallas was seeing stars after Jack Hughes nets two to win. Alex, what'd you see this week?
1: Uh, so kind of the same. We've really seen the the whole month of January. The uh, Devils not really playing that well, but finding ways to win. I actually did, they did play pretty well against the Golden Knights, but the Dallas Stars game was kind of just a repeat of a lot of their wins uh, this month. So it's a good thing the break came when it did for them.
0: Yeah, it was it was another week of timely goals, uh, another week of overtimes, and another week uh, confirming that Jack Hughes is a superstar in this league.
1: Yeah, and another week of some solid goaltending as well from the Devils.
0: Yeah, VTech Vanacek has been lights out. That's nine in a row for him, which uh, if you told me he was going to start winning games for this devil's team in the beginning of the season i would have taken it and then some um, i think we were all hoping for an you know an average goaltender league average goaltender but uh, from what we've seen this year minus a few hiccups it's it's been above league average and and he he's definitely won them some games uh, more recently.
1: Yeah, don't forget bold predictions at the beginning of the season. I said Vanacek was going to run away with this number one position, and he'd finished above a 915 save percentage. So he's trending. I think in that you direction. might have a to let the stuff.
0: listeners know where you uh, purchased that crystal ball there, Alex.
1: Yeah, seriously. Still a long way to go in the season, obviously, so it's nothing set in stone yet. But he's definitely trending in that direction at the moment.
0: Uh, yeah, just, just I, I, at this point, I think it's almost, you know, imperative that the team just hires a personal hibachi chef for him
1: <laughs> yeah seriously i mean he's i think the, the hibachi king is the nickname that's starting to gain some traction on social media so yeah i'm cool Fine, with that by me i cooking.
0: think the devil's uh social media team did a great job um they over overlaid some hibachi cooking while he was doing his warm-up so it looked like you know he was behind the uh, table it was pretty creative for the social media team
1: yeah, no they did a pretty good job with that stuff so I guess you know the devil's if he keeps going it this way the Hibachi King is definitely gonna stick that's for sure.
0: I mean it might stick they might even have a damn Hibachi night in the arena
1: <laughs> That would be that would be pretty sweet I'm not gonna lie
0: <laughs> um, All right let's get into it Alex we had uh, we had a busy week uh, another successful week by all by all means I, I think we when we ended last week's pod we were looking for three or four points out of this week. And they hit that mark, right? Uh, yeah. You, you finished going into the all-star break, I think, second in the league in wins. Um, and then maybe fourth or fifth in points. It's unbelievable first half of the season for this Devils team. Um, exceeding yeah. expectations every every step of the way.
1: Yeah, even their gold differential is up there, too. I think it's like top two or three, somewhere around there. I think it would be safe to say that the Bruins are probably first in that statistic. But, yeah, I mean, um, I don't think you could have asked for them really to be in a better spot uh, heading into, like I guess, the unofficial you know, uh, halfway point of the season since the All-Star break. Uh, yeah, I mean, 32-13-4 uh, is... And they're in a prime spot now. I really would take like the most epic collapse in NHL history for them to not make the playoffs. Um, but still, you know, even though they're in, the, in this position, uh, they don't go into the break without some concerns, which we're going to get into here in the show in a little bit. But um, yeah, I mean, they're they're everything that we could have asked for and more this season. Uh, you know, one of the best teams in the league, I think, at this point.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and you you hit on concerns, but it's almost like these are concerns of a winning team, right? It's not concerns of a team that's on a seven-gate slide. Um, Very different concerns than what we had last year.
1: Uh, Yeah, I think that's true for the most part. But the the concerns that I have are something that could turn into like a slide. So, um, you know, it didn't show in the Vegas game. I thought they were the better team. Uh, that game, even though they had some, uh, I guess it was the second half. Yeah, the, about the last ten minutes of the second period, I thought they kind of struggled a little bit in that game. That's when Vegas took the two-one lead. But after that, I thought they were the better team for sure. Uh, they deserved to win that game. You know, Dougie obviously had a big night against Vegas. The game tying and game winning goals off that ridiculous play from Jack on the game winning goal along the boards. Probably one of the the plays of the week, maybe plays of the year. And um, when all's said and done. Uh, And was good against Vegas as well. Uh, That was definitely a game that deserved to win. Um, You know, Vegas has really been struggling without Mark Stone too. So it's kind of one of those games In hindsight that they definitely should have, they had to win because they're not the same team without Stone in the lineup. I think they have one win without him in the lineup, which uh, you probably should be concerned if you're a Golden Knights fan, but uh, yeah, it was a good effort from the devils. It was one of their best ones in the last couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, I think so too. And you know and even logan thomas i thought he he played really well yeah, that game good. he stopped though he's i know he was hard on himself at the end of the game but that's not on him that's that's poor positioning on the knights leaving one of the best slap shots in the league wide open 10 feet from the net
1: yeah i mean he was really good in the game it was really the only reason that uh, the devils had to go extra attacker and get the game tying goal that way he was uh he was making stops that he shouldn't have been making, um, which he's kind of done for Vegas a lot of the season. He's been pretty good for them. Probably going to find himself in the Calder conversation. Um, definitely. But... I think
0: he's definitely a top three Calder candidate for sure. Um, yeah, I, think. I agree with it, that. I don't, I don't know. What's the goaltender in, in Carolina doing? Has he fallen off a little bit?
1: Coach Adkoff, well, they had sent him back yeah. down, uh, but then Freddie Anderson got injured again, so I'm pretty sure he's back up with the team now. So, But I don't think he's going to end up playing enough games to put himself in the conversation. Thompson's kind of just been Vegas's clear number 1 this year.
0: And then and then I guess his only comp- competition is a little bit northwest of him uh, in Seattle. Yeah, Matty
1: Beniers, yeah, he's probably the favorite for the Calder at this point.
0: Yeah, I think another important thing to point out from this game was uh, confirmed Pilat is a listener of Devils on the Rush. Was that a takeaway you had as well?
1: yeah i mean he scored what four minutes into the game there so he must have been put in the
0: dungeon right i mean if that's not motivation i don't know what is
1: yeah he must have listened after practice on monday or something and been like oh the fisherman told me i gotta score goals you know i'm gonna go out and do that this and you know he answered the bell uh just a few minutes into the game so yeah he must be a listener to the pod
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I think another thing, I, that line was buzzing all game. I thought, the, the yeah. I, and, and all week, to be honest with you, I thought they they were one of the bright spots in that Predators game. Um, and obviously, I think they played really well in the Dallas game where I know Jack had two goals, but I it almost seemed like the second line was invisible for, for lots of the game, and we'll get into that. But another strong week from that top line, and it seems like they're really gelling um, and, and becoming a force up there.
1: Yeah, that's why I don't think Ruff is going to break up that line anytime soon, even though he's not really optimizing the rest of the lineup as well as he should be. I think that's part of the reason why they've struggled at 5-5 this month, not the sole reason. But yeah, that uh, palat hisher Brat line has definitely been a top line. you know, we'll see what happens coming out of the break, how he wants to adjust the lineup, but I don't see him breaking that up at least immediately coming out of the break. I think it would have to take a couple of games for them struggling at five and five still for him to do that.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and the other struggles from the five on five, um, and I know you've harped on it consistently is, you know, miles Wood being in the lineup and that, and that fourth line kind of killing momentum, uh, similar with the third line, but I, I did think Towards the end of the week, they started to pick it up a little bit. Obviously, Wood had the goal, but I was seeing some really strong shifts out of that third line. Uh, what was that? Halla, Tatar, and um, Mercer. Yeah. Mercer. I thought they. I thought they were playing really well. Um, obviously the BMW line turned it on for, for points where they were four checking hard and, and you had some four lines moving granted. It's not where it was in the beginning of the season and not what, not where we would expect it to be going into a playoff push. Cause as we've discussed previously, that March schedule is going to be an absolute gauntlet. So yeah. I think February, they really need to figure out how to get all four lines moving and, and get some consistency with the lines. I think that's, you know, we've talked about it previously. It's, tough to gel if you don't play with the same people every game or even in the same game. So hopefully we can get some consistency and practices uh on on the 10-day layoff.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, the thing and like sticking with the Palat-Heesh or Brat line, you know, if he's gonna keep if Ruff is gonna keep that together. I think the simple switch with the current lines is you just flip Zetterland and Mercer, and you have Mercer with Sharon Govich and Hughes, and then you got Zetterland with Holla and Tatar, which I think is a better third line than with Mercer there. Um, yeah, you yeah I see is that.
0: Um, I, I do see that, and, and I do agree in some sense, but I do like the heaviness that Zetterlin brings to that second line. Um, I think you lose that when you have Mercer and Sharon Govich on the wings. Um, and, and, you know, to be fair, Zetterlin does kind of have a bomb of a shot, even though he hasn't scored in a while. Um, so I don't know. I would kind of, I, I kind of would give that third line a little bit more run just to see if it, it can produce something. Cause I, I do like a little bit of a heavier forward next to Jack.
1: Um, yeah, the thing is that they didn't really post great numbers in their two games together this week. I don't really like this, the fit with Zetterland on Jack's line. I think it's kind of a mismatch. I think he, Zetterland fits better with a player like Tatar. Those are two really good play drivers. And then Holla is like the third line center. I think um, that would be a lot better. Jack doesn't need other play drivers on his wing. He just needs guys who can score. If you put Sharon Govich and Mercer there, they have a pretty good uh, track record together. I think you have a little more scoring upside there. So it'll be interesting to see. But if Ruff wants to give Sharon Govich, um, Hughes and Zettel a bit more of a run coming out of the break, that's fine too to see if they can get it going. But I think long-term they're going to have to find another way to optimize the lines a little better you know Todd Cordell actually just kind of wrote about it before we started uh recording yeah um and he had a much different line combinations than what we're talking about now but uh you know it's something we saw in the, the latter two games you know later in the week especially against the Predators the Devils got killed at five on five uh you know there's just something about the Predators and John Hines that they, they can't you know get rid of that voodoo curse or whatever is going on there right now <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Um yeah. and you know, there's also another maybe possible solution waiting in the wing with a big heavy forward that scores a lot of goals that will go unnamed for right now. Um let's let's hop into the Predators game. Not a good game. Um no. you know, they they did get four past Yuri Soros, which in most nights would probably get you a win, right? Um I think I'm not putting this one on Blackwood, not not yeah, one bit. Um, not. I thought he kept this game from getting to like eight or nine at some point. um he, I thought he got left hang out uh, hung out to dry a bunch. I think he made a lot of big saves and um, tough to put this one on on Blackwood whatsoever. I think it was it, it was a turn it was turnover city. Like it, I think out of all the goals I saw, I think like three or four of them were all, all, off of defensive. Like bad turnovers, either in the defensive zone or in the neutral zone. Uh, what would you see, Alex?
1: I thought that was probably their worst defensive performance of the season. Uh, there was that hurricane ga- hurricanes game on New Year's Day that was pretty bad too, where Blackwood got kind of hung out to dry again. Um, yeah, I just the Predators game. Uh, they were sloppy on the back end. Yeah, I tweeted after I think the Predators scored their fifth goal that if rough could bench all six defensemen he would have that game it was that bad defensively i don't really think there were that third pair especially a hot Duke and um smith just got absolutely yeah. destroyed that night it was yeah
0: nikita throw. unfortunately got exposed that game and pretty badly and you know we saw the we saw what happened after that uh got sent down the yeah. utica
1: yeah, I think that was just more that th- they're off for 10 days and they need him to play because um, the thing with Nikita is if he needs to move the puck, it's not happening with him. His puck skills are pretty awful at this point in his development. So that's something he really needs to work on because if you get a night especially if he's paired with someone like Brendan Smith, who's not like the best puck mover either, uh, that you get a game like you did against Nashville where that third pair just gets absolutely destroyed. That's something Kevin Ball has a little working better in his favor for him a little more than – I'd say more than a little more than a hot because ju- he can at least move the puck. Um, so, yeah, that was a bad game. Uh, Blackwood at least kept them within striking distance for most of it. Um, his rebound control is concerning. I think that's part of the reason why he faces so many shots sometimes too, but that wasn't – that Predators game wasn't really his rebound control. I think control. the only
0: rebound that probably led to a goal was the do one, right?
1: Yeah, but even then, I'm not even talking about the rebounds that lead to goals. I think he just leaves some rebounds out there that forces him to make more saves than he has to. But that game against the Peders, that wasn't really it. Maybe it was a little small reason why they faced so many shots that came. It was more so their defense just being awful, and they weren't able to move the puck. I didn't even really think the Peders played that heavy a game. I thought the Devils were just sloppy more than anything else. Um,
0: yeah, so tough game for Graves, too, right? I think yeah, that was Graves, probably Graves' worst game of the season
1: i can't even really name a defenseman that played well that game honestly uh that's fair fair enough (laughs) yeah severson and graves had like good numbers but they still also had some pretty bad moments there i don't dougie didn't play well i think segan thought there was no one that played well so um yeah they're lucky that they were even within one goal after mercer tied it with the extra attacker again there's something about this team at six on five too that uh uh, they got some the magic figured out there but they were lucky they were even in that position to be honest um they almost stole a point again if they could have gotten it to five five but uh yeah, they yeah that
0: really that, if, that 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 late fifth goal uh was a killer right yeah. um oh was it three or four minutes left um that 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 you know because you're right like when these when this devil's team's down a goal with five minutes left I'm like they're they have a pretty damn good shot of tying this up and pushing it to overtime with how clutch they've been this previous month or even all season. So when, when, when it, when it got to, I believe it was five, three, then it's like, ah, uh, that might be a little too much.
1: Yeah. I thought that the same thing at five, three It's like, I don't know if they're going to be able to pull it off this time, but Mercer did score with like a minute and 10 or something left or something like that, I think, or maybe even more. So it's like, oh, okay, I mean, maybe they maybe don't quit. But it was it was asking a lot at that point with the game way the game had gone. So I'm not surprised they lost it. They definitely did not deserve to win that game, that's for sure.
0: No, no, no. Uh anything else you wanted to highlight from this game? Otherwise it was it was just a bad game in a stretch of really good games, I guess.
1: Um, uh, yeah, it's probably a good way to put it. I was happy that was the game Fabian Zedon got back in the lineup, right? So uh, I yeah, was happy. and he got a
0: he got a point on Hughes's Hughes'. Yeah,
1: goal. That, that line had some good moments um, that game, even though the overall product was um, so-so, but uh, it was good to see him get back in the lineup. I think he was out of the lineup for way too long. Uh, he's one of their better players, to be honest. He um, didn't I
0: deserve think. to sit for that long. I, yeah, that I agree with ridiculous. you. Yeah, that was yeah. a little
1: ridiculous that he sat for like two weeks, but uh, it's good that he came back in the lineup and played well, so hopefully he sticks in the lineup when they come out of the break, but uh yeah, no guarantees with the way Ruff has been kind of managing the lineup lately.
0: Yeah, but it it's kind of interesting cuz Ruff Ruff said the reason Wood is staying in the lineup cuz he likes his heavy play. I mean, I'll be honest, I think Zetterlund probably throws more hits or more effective hits or is better on the forecheck um when it comes to a heavy style of play and that's just my opinion. Maybe I'm not, you know, uh analyzing that correctly. What, what do you think?
1: I mean I don't even Miles has not been hard to play against for like 2 months so like I don't I think it's a little hip, hypocritical on Ruff's part to kind of say that um I, I think you know, I Zetterland has more scoring upside than Miles at this point, too. I don't, I know Miles scored against Dallas, which we're going to get into that game here in a little bit. But, you know, he's got two goals in like his last like 33 games or whatever, something like that.
0: And he's not dropping the gloves. I mean, he's not answering he's the bad ball. decisions with the bad prop, penalties. But, I mean, yeah. it's where <laughs> I mean, we joke about it offline, but it's it's where rush plays go to die. And that was never the case with Miles. It was like flip the puck up and let the let the horses out of the stable.
1: Yeah, that's why I've been kind of, you know, advocating that the Devils try to add someone in the bottom six moving forward. Whether it's for Wood or McLeod, I think you can make an argument that could find upgrades over either player. But uh, you know, just after what Ruff said in the Dallas game about Wood, he's not coming out of the lineup, so um, he needs to play like he did against Dallas. Because if he's going to stay in the lineup, you know, he needs to have a positive impact, which he's not been doing this season. But pretty awful.
0: Would you try and include him in a package? I, I think, you know, the numbers have been down this year, but I think the league has a pretty favorable opinion of Miles. I know teams have inquired about him before. Do you think Fitz, you know, being a contract year, it might be tough to bring him back if he's expecting the number that he got this year. Do you think maybe he tries and packages him in one of the deals?
1: Um, I mean, he's their best path to opening up cap space for someone like Timo Meyer. Um, so I would trade him, especially since I don't even think they should entertain the thought of re-signing him this off season. That contract is going to look awful. Um, so yeah, I think they should trade him, but you know what Fitz does has to listen to his coach a little bit. And if rough wants to keep him in the lineup, you know, I think they're going to keep him around, but that doesn't mean they can't look for upgrades to kind of help that fourth line, whether it's, looking at a center to uh, upgrade over McLeod, who's kind of been equally as bad as Myles Wood over this little stretch. Um, you know, the thing with Zetterlin, too, is Todd wrote about it this morning, too. Um, they Since the Devils have been struggling at 5-on-5, five five, you should try putting him back with Tatar and Heischer, um a little bit to see if that line could get going. Um, then you have, like, a Palat, Holla, Mercer third line with Bratton, and and Hughes as your second line um Could do that. Uh, I think that'd help kind of, you know, uh, help the team at five on five and make the fourth line a little less noticeable in a good way. So, like, if the fourth line struggles, I think those top nine uh units would be pretty good at five on five. So, like, you don't need the BMW line to be rolling as well. Cause I don't think rough is going to break that up. So, you have, you have to find a way to optimize the lines a little better than what you've been doing right now. So, we'll see.
0: That would be a really strong third line. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's funny because if you look at the team on paper, they have players for every position in the lineup, right? I think if ideally, though, it just seems we can't put the correct puzzle pieces together right now. Um, obviously, the star players are are performing at a clip that you expect them to. Uh, and shout out to Dougie; I, 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 we didn't mention it, but he had three assists in that Predators game. As awful as he was on the defensive end, he was that great on the offensive end. Um, but I know everyone's looking for the big trade, and so am I, right? I think if you're going to make a serious push this year, and and I think an important thing to note is, is, yeah, everyone can say the devil's window is just opening, but it could close that quickly too, right? If you have a team that's top five in the league and you're making a push, yeah, you go make those moves. But with that being said, I think this team's very well-rounded. I just think that they haven't put the puzzle pieces together correctly with, from a line perspective.
1: Yeah. That's the thing that I think has kind of, I think they're winning in spite of the way rough is um, managing the lineup these days. So that's something they need to figure out over this week long break because they cannot falter in February. They need to rack up the points. Cause like you said, that March schedule is tough. Um, so they need to find a way to win what they need to win in February, and you need to have the best lineup out there, and you need to be playing better at 5-on-5, five and, five, and those things kind of go hand-in-hand. Hand. So uh, you need to figure it out. Uh, you need to put out better lineups here. That's why I think that Tar zettel in Reunion is a good uh, idea to kind of think about uh, reuniting them because that line was really good in the beginning of the season when the team was going on their 13-game winning streak and and had played pretty well in these two games that he got back into the lineup. So it's something they should consider.
0: Yeah, I mean, the analytics department must be pulling their hair out, seeing Wood in the lineup every night. Yeah, I can't <laughs>
1: Especially imagine with how much that.
0: money they've invested in that analytics department. I, I mean, when it was created, what, four or five years ago, they made some pretty significant hires of probably two of the most well-respected statisticians in the league. Correct me if I'm wrong.
1: Yeah, no, Matt Kane and Tyler Dello. I can't imagine they're thrilled that Miles Wood's been playing all this time and Fabian Zetterlin sat for like 15 days when he still had good fancy stats. So, yeah, I can't yeah, I mean, it, maybe
0: even just you know s- sit some of that BMW line and get Boquist and Zetterlin in the lineup because, to your point, they their their statistics look great. I mean, Boquist is a great floor checker. I mean that's that's what a fourth line needs, forechecking and keeping the puck in the zone and tiring out the other team, and then you get your offensive threat on the ice as they're pinned in.
1: Yeah, I would be pretty pissed if I were just Bokras and he had a really good game against Vegas, and then he doesn't play the last two games of the week. Holtz should probably be pretty upset that he didn't get into a game before a 10-day layoff, too. Um, I don't know, maybe Ruff hates Swedish people. I have no idea what's going on there. But uh, I would be upset if I were Jesper Broquist uh, Well, if that's him.
0: the case, we might be in trouble because we've got quite a few Swedes on the team. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, he's he's uh, sat Jesper Bratt before. So um, I don't yeah. know. It's weird that Boquist didn't play the last in one of the last two games, um, especially since he was really good against Vegas. I would be upset if I were him.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, all right let's get into the Dallas game, unless you yeah. have anything to add from the Predators game.
1: No, that's uh, that's good for me there.
0: Okay, yeah. Let's go to the Dallas game. You know, this didn't start so hot, right? This was almost a deja vu from the beginning of the season where we go down two goals and then come back. Um, but I think they they played well in this game outside of the portions of the first period. Obviously, they got crushed in the first period. But I think after the first period, they... They started to push and and finish the game pretty strong.
1: Yeah, they were definitely the better team in the third period. Second period was wild. There was a lot of stuff happening. Uh, I mean,
0: yeah, you were just sitting on the edge of your seat watching that one. It was just great. It was, you know, a lot of people commented on this. It was like, this would be a great cup final. Right. With these two teams and and the way they play and the young talent with the mix. I mean, at least on the Dallas side with the mix of the veteran leadership. But you're starting to see that a little bit with the Devils, with the addition of, you know, Hala, Palat, Hamilton, etc. So um, definitely that was that was a barn burner. And that was just a fun hockey game to watch.
1: Yeah, the second period there was the pace was pretty insane. Even in the third period, though, there weren't any goals. Um, there was the pace was still high flying. Um, yeah, the second period, uh, man, Vanacek made some crazy saves in the second period. I thought the Devils had some good chances too. Uh, they actually, I thought they started like the first ten minutes of the game pretty well, and then that that fluke goal off-haul of that uh, got Dallas the 1-0 lead kind of went downhill there for the last 10 minutes of the first period and they started taking minor penalties too which didn't help at all but
0: they also got hosed on that Blackwood call
1: uh oh yeah that was ridiculous That, shouldn't and, have the,
0: and, that and that led to the Hintz goal so
1: um the Blackwood call no that was in Nashville um when uh Nino Niederreiter uh, got
0: oh, sorry. I'm getting my games mixed up. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, he, sorry. Blackwood got hosed on that one. But yes, yeah, so v- VTech was in the net for the Dallas game and yeah. was spectacular.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah. I don't know. They. It was definitely better than the the Predators game. I don't think you can doubt that. The uh, defensively, they were more. They weren't as sloppy. Um, you know, I thought their puck management was better. Um, they did get some things going at five on five, especially in the third period. Uh, Sharon Govich had some good chances in the third period. He just you know, couldn't find the back of the net. So there was definitely good stuff to take away from that game.
0: Yeah, and, and if I'm Lindy Ruff and the coaching staff, you know Sharon Govich has probably the wickedest wrister on the team, if that's correct English. Apologies, I'm not an English major. Um, but, I mean, he's got a wicked wrist shot, and, and it just seems like he, you know, over this past month, he's not been getting the shooting opportunities that that shot deserves.
1: Yeah, he should have been on Hughes' line a lot earlier than they tried it again. I
0: or even a second power play. Like, God, get Wood off the second power play.
1: Yeah, I don't think Wood has done anything on the second power play unit. If you want a net fund presence on the second power play unit, put Bast in there because we know he's good at that role. And he's
0: good at board play. Like He's very good at you know facilitating the puck behind the net. He's very underrated in my opinion. I I know he's a big guy and he doesn't have the best hands, but he's got decent hands. And the other thing is, is Sharon Govich is very underrated at tipping the puck. You could even use him at the front of the net because he's gotten a bunch of goals from redirections this season.
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, any one other than Miles Wood on the power play would be better. He's completely useless on the power play. You know, and
0: I and, and I w- I wonder if Ruff just gets lost in those big beautiful eyes of Miles and just like <laughs> you know what I got to put you back on the ice because you're so damn good looking.
1: Well, I think it's just a hockey man thing. Like he's big and plays hard. And he's a
0: Buffalo guy. He's missing a couple teeth, right? You know, yeah. For- he definitely
1: plays favorites, rough with certain players. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, and Miles would be one. And unfortunately,
0: player. I think that's a lot of coaches, right? I don't think yeah, you're ever going to get a truly like unbiased coach.
1: Yeah, and I think that's why Wood stayed in the lineup despite having one goal over 32 games before the Dallas game. Which yeah, it sounds ridiculous when you phrase it that way, but you know.
0: And he's probably earned some credit with Ruff from previous seasons. Obviously, not last season because he was hurt. But I think in Ruff's first season, he was the leading goal scorer, and you know, yeah,
1: he had 17 goals in the COVID shortened season. He was pretty good that season too. But, yeah, I mean, so obviously he, he doesn't have it.
0: Yeah, so I, it's probably a a combination of you know favorites equity built up miles also having a pretty big voice in the locker room is what i'm guessing as well um you know if you remember he was he was the one that was pissed off after losing the first two games of the season uh in that fashion so you know it's probably a combination of things but at some point you got you got to play fair and and get the guys in that are are producing for you
1: yeah that's why i think zetterland and boquist should be in the lineup um, I think Bocus is a much better fourth line center option against uh than McLeod, but to McLeod's credit and really the BMW line's credit, they played they I thought they were maybe the devil's best line against Dallas. Um they had the best five-on-five five numbers at least, and they actually managed to get the devil some offensive zone possession that the other three lines were struggling to find a little bit uh in that game. Um so they did play well there. They like they deserve credit, but if you look at their you know their overall work, body of work for the season. It's not good at all. So, like, take a. I said it in my recap of that game. It's like take a one game performance with a grain of salt there. Um, so, you know, fine, they played well against Dallas, but they if they're going to stick together moving forward, which I don't really anticipate a change coming with that line, they need to get it together consistently because if they're getting bludgeoned like they have been for most of the season at five on five, they're still going to have problems uh, with their depth up front.
0: Yeah. No, completely agree. And, you know, one last point to that I don't see McLeod ever leaving the lineup. Yeah. Um, I don't I th- either. Yeah. I think his face-off, I, I think Ruff loves his face-off ability. And I, I can't, I mean, you know how I've harped on face-offs this whole year. Um, so I think there is something to be said to that. I, I mean, he's great from the dot when it's a pa- penalty kill or a late game face-off or, you yeah. know, McLeod's like, in there and he, he wins it
1: or something. So what'd you say? He's at like 58% on the draw. Yeah,
0: I mean, that's that's absurd. So, I mean, maybe you sit wood and you put Boquist on the wing just because of Boquist's forechecking ability. And also that kind of gives you a little protection too, uh, having another quote-unquote center on the same line.
1: Yeah, so we'll see what Ruff decides to do out of the break, but I'm not anticipating a change there.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, I think we hit, hit on all the games, I think – uh super proud of this team uh first half of the season if you're a devils fan and you're complaining about what you've seen this season then you really need to get your head examined because after the last 5 seasons it this has just been incredible we're seeing the, the birth of a, a superstar we're seeing the birth of a captain that has the ability to drag this team from the depths of hell uh no pun intended um, and you're seeing a, a winger taking another step in, in his growth and Jesper Bratt and, and putting up two consecutive, you know, superstar seasons or at least all star caliber seasons.
1: Yeah, so Yeah. I mean, this is really just mostly good to take away from the first half of the season, other than like how they played in January at five on five is really like the only complaint you could have at this point.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, should we get into some team news before we hop into some of our favorite segments?
1: Uh, yeah, go. Let's go for it.
0: Sure. Let's let's start with the prospect pool. We haven't touched on them in in quite a while or if ever. Um Novo put out a great piece this week uh, in the Bergen Record or nj.com whatever you call it these days. Um and it, it touched on three of the bigger names in the prospect pool, Luke Hughes, um Shakir Mudoulin and Arseni Grutzik. Um and if you're looking for proper pronunciations, I'm probably not the right guy for that. I can't even pronounce Nikita's last name. Otochuk? Ahatuuk. Ahatuk. Ahatuk. I'm gonna mm-hmm. say that ten times in the shower and I get it down. Ohatuk. <laughs> Ohatuk. Hot- to- oh- hot- to- All right, here we go. So Great job by Novo talking to the team's uh, head scout here. Um, this is great information, and he's been doing great ever since he's he's been on the Devil's beat. Uh, let's start with Luke Hughes. I mean, I think everyone saw the outrageous game he had last night against Penn State. They were down three nothing. Luke Hughes pots four goals, including the overtime winner. I mean, th- this kid looks like he's ready, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, four um, goals and eleven shots on goal. I don't need you don't even really need to say much at this point. He's going to be on the Devils at some point this season. Whenever Michigan's season's over, he's and, he's ready.
0: And and let's let's caveat this. They weren't playing like, you know, the University of Miami in hockey here, right? They were playing Penn State who was ranked 7th in the in the country. Michigan's at 6. So this is against primetime competition. This isn't like they're, you know, this is a, some preseason warm-up game. So credit to Hughes on that. Um you know, we've heard the Michigan coach numerous times saying he has no doubt Luke is going to step into the lineup once the Michigan se- season ends, and that's what it seems like. The Devil's perspective is either it seems the head scout confirmed. And apologies, I, I forget his name. And Alex, so, if you know it, please.
1: Yeah, it's Dan McKinnon. He's actually the uh, team assistant general assistant general manager.
0: Okay, there we go. Uh, Dan McKinnon. Um, Yeah, basically stated that as soon as the Michigan season is over, Luke's going to come to the big team and he might not be in the lineup right away, but he'll start practicing. And then they said maybe over a one to two week period, they'll see where he fits in.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt he's coming to the NHL after his sophomore season. He doesn't really have much left to accomplish in college. Um, It's just, I think 11 shots on goal for a defenseman is just like some lunatic. That's
0: That's Dougie stuff right there.
1: Yeah, that, that's some lunatic stuff. So uh, he's probably too good for college hockey at this point. So, yeah, we're going to see him. And I think the earliest we could see him would be like the end of March. That's when the NCAA tournament starts for hockey. So still about two months away. But uh, he's going to be in a devil's jersey at some point this season.
0: Is there an argument to see him play some games in the A? Uh,
1: I'm not uh, – I don't Probably not. I mean, I think they're going to try to – yeah, I mean at this point it's probably safe to assume they're gonna make the playoffs. So I think they kinda of maybe want him to play a little bit of a Kale McCarr role, uh, as he did for Colorado a couple of years ago when he first broke into the league. Um and
0: for and for some Devils fans that might not stay up late for the Avalanche games, I think maybe a comparable role would be the first season of Will Butcher.
1: Uh, yeah, he's not going to play hard defensive minutes. Um, that's for sure.
0: Shelter him, maybe yeah. run the second power play. Cause at this point you're really not taking Dougie off that first power play. Um, yeah. but definitely maybe, you know, put Luke on that second power play with it, with a Damon Severson. Cause I mean, you can almost put Luke on the, on the, on the wing with the shot he has.
1: Yeah. It's kind of crazy. His offensive upside. It makes me wonder sometimes if he would, what he would look like as a forward, um, but, um, yeah, I think he'd definitely get some second power play uh, minutes once they work him into the system and how they want to run it. And then I would think, uh, you know, when the time comes, he'd probably be on the third. Assuming everyone's healthy, he would be on the third pair with Damon Severson, which uh, would be a pretty solid third pair.
0: Yeah, and, and I know from a defensive standpoint, there are some concerns. But with the new coach, uh, I forget his name, uh, who's the de- who uh, takes care of the defensive responsibilities.
1: Oh, Ryan McGill.
0: Yeah, Ryan McGill, I mean, I think he's going to do great things with him. Uh, and he's showing that when he was in Vegas. He's taken young defensemen and molded them into NHL-ready players.
1: Yeah, he has a good track record, and you see what the Dougie has done, you know, this year in his first year with McGill as the uh, defensive assistant. Uh, you know, Marino was looking really good before he got injured, um, you
0: know, uh, Same with the Jonas but we saw that with the Jonas last year but yeah, yeah no, I mean Jonas he got a little more it.
1: offensive upside this year too so I don't know if that's something he worked on in the offseason or he's been working with McGill throughout the season too you know Severson's played pretty well so and the
0: penalty kills top 10 in the league
1: yeah exactly so I think McGill will uh, do some good things with Luke when his time comes uh, in the NHL
0: mm-hmm. Now we can move on to Shakir Mukmadulin. Uh From all accounts, it seems like he's having a great year in the KHL, another step up. Um, they did mention that it has been tough to get uh, Devil's scouts into Russia, obviously with the current geopolitical situation, but they do have one scout that is based out of Russia that's been able to follow Shakir. Um, from all indications, it sounds like Shakir is going to come over and, and start in the A for their playoff push.
1: Yeah, um, which he he did play in a couple of games for the Comets last year, so uh, I guess building off that a little bit. But uh, yeah, I think you know he's uh, he's mostly been racking up his points on the power play in the KHL. I just want to pull up his points totals here from Elite Prospects real quick. But uh, yeah, I mean he was their first round pick in the 2020 draft, one of their first round picks in the 2020 draft. Um, so that, you know with Holtz and Mercer already in the NHL going have all three guys from that first round coming over and yeah he's got 20 points in 56 games for uh ufa over in the the khl so um you know having it's kind of tough to watch khl games here don't really haven't really seen much of him uh this season but uh, you know it'll be interesting to see how he can uh he'll play with the comets when they bring him in for their playoff run so um we'll see what happens there it's uh, tough really to give you much of a, a report on how his game is uh you know, matured since it's pretty difficult to get KHL games these days.
0: And it's very difficult to scout defenders out of the KHL, at least historically, um, from everything I've read from scouts around the league. It's really, you really need to get them over here in North America and see how they play before you can really have a true determination on, on where they are.
1: Yeah, KHL defensemen usually don't put up points. I know Alexander Nikishin, who's um, a Carolina Hurricanes draft pick, has like 45 points in 50-something games this season as a defenseman in the KHL, which is just nuts. But, um, yeah, they, for the most part, usually defensemen don't put up like big point totals in the KHL. And uh, I think Shakir pacing for like about 24 points um, in the KHL season this year is pretty impressive. So, um, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see what he looks like when he gets with the Comets.
0: All right, um, and then let's move on to our Seni Grutsek. Um, oof, oof, we got a We got to work Gritsuk. on that one. Grutzuk. Okay. Jeez, uh, I'm gonna be like <laughs> Bart Simpson writing the name on the on, on, the, on the, <laughs> the board. Chalkboard. Yeah, on the chalkboard. Um, I mean, this guy's almost like the great white buffalo or like some mythical creature that devil's fans just want to get their hands on because all you see on twitter is this guy lighting up the khl for the past couple seasons uh it seems like he's got a knack uh for scoring the puck
1: yeah he got off to a pretty slow start in the khl this season uh but he's really picked it up in the second half over there for avant Avantgarde omsk um on pace for 41 points and uh, 15 goals this season. The KHL season is actually almost over. They only got like 10, 15 games left, depending on, uh, you know, where your team is in the schedule there. But, um, yeah, McKinnon said in that article probably they want him uh, another year or two in uh, the KHL just because he's a smaller guy. And they Similar want to – I think they uh,
0: dropped Carreel, uh Kaprizov yeah. as well, they almost kind of see a... I mean, listen, if we get Kareel out of this, I mean, pff, lights lights out, but I, I doubt he's at that level. But um, I think they're looking for a similar developmental path.
1: Yeah, they. I think they mentioned... Uh, McKinnon had mentioned Kaprizov and Kuzmenko, was two smaller guys who stayed in the KHL for a while and kind of matured there. Um, so they're kind of looking for that similar path. And if they're going to do at least one more season with uh, Gritsyuk. if they do two, it'd put him at 23 years old. It would be the same age as when Kaprizov came over. Um, so he's you know, coming in. He should come in to the league at the NHL, NHL ready at 20, uh, 22, 23 years old, if he does another year or two in the KHL. So you know, the KHL is a little weaker than it used to be because all, you know, the non-Russian players that play, there kind of just left to either play in other leagues in Europe or come back, like play in the AHL or whatever. Um, So it's not as good as it was before the whole geopolitical situation. But it's still a a
0: pretty darn good league. Yeah, no, it's definitely still a really
1: good developmental league. So if they want to leave Gritsuk there for another year or two, that's fine. You know, just you get a little worried there that like, hopefully, he wants to come over and play in the NHL. But you know, there haven't been any in- indications that he's doesn't want to come over. So, um, I was actually
0: yeah. probably a little bit more concerned that Shakir might not want to come over. Oh no, um,
1: he already said he's coming over. Yeah,
0: so. no, no, exactly. No, no, no. no. Yeah. I'm saying outs- before he made all those statements, I know there was a couple rumblings. Maybe it would be tough to get him over, but. You Know all all it looks like Fitz was like, No, you're coming, and that's it. So, yeah, um, no, he's
1: definitely coming over, so no worries there.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, any other prospects that we want to touch on? I know Schmid's doing pretty well down in the AHL, it seems. Uh, yeah, I think and, Josh
1: Philman has like 32 or 33 goals in the WHL with the Swift Current, which is a roster.
0: shock, right? Yeah. Like, who, um, who would have. It, yeah, right? well, I mean, what was he? A fourth or fifth round pick?
1: He was a sixth round pick, but he was also ranked 75th in Bobby Max um uh draft ranking, so like they got a top 100 prospect um you know in the uh, sixth round. He's on pace for 51 goals in the WHL, which is pretty impressive, but uh, I mean Is yeah, he we'll just,
0: eligible is he still too young for the A?
1: Yeah, he's only 18. He doesn't even turn 19 until March uh, 18th. I'm looking at his lead prospects page right now, so
0: So can he even so he can play in the A next year?
1: Uh, no, I don't even think. I think he has to go do one more year in the WHL and then uh, come over. Yeah,
0: I know that's a silly rule. I mean, that's the thing you're seeing with Shane Wright right now. Um, yeah, almost too good for the junior league, but not good enough for the NHL. So it's like, you know, I I understand the rule, but it just it stinks. Yeah. When I'm when you want I'm not even sure. Yeah, I don't,
1: I'm not even sure he's ready for the the even the AHL yet because he's quite thin. He's only listed at 160 pounds on the. Uh, uh elite prospects so he's still got some filling out to do so keeping him in the whl i think swift is one of the best teams in the whl so keep him there and develop for another year and a half is fine honestly
0: and they have the memorial cup in the w uh
1: the memorial cup's like for the whole
0: you All know of the Canada. chl yeah.
1: leagues i don't know where it's hosted this year though
0: um, oh, well hopefully he can make a nice run and, and continue on that progress yeah um Seems like Nemec is is really getting his feet wet in the in the A. I you know as as passingly I follow Utica on Twitter. It seems like he's putting up some decent points.
1: Yeah, I think he's been good. Um, yeah, I don't think we're going to see him in the NHL this season. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where they think his development is at the end of the year and what they want to decide to do for a third pair um, defenseman for twenty twenty three twenty four. But we'll cross that bridge when we need to. At this point.
0: Yeah, I think you'd have to have a significant injury uh occurrence to see him up this year. I think it's the right move. He had a great juniors. Um just let him keep marinating in the A, um playing against against, you know, bigger faster competition than he was last year.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Okay, that's uh, that's the. We'll wrap up the prospect update there. Um, let's get into a little bit of some of the trade rumors as we start to get closer to the trade deadline. Uh, obviously, we did an in-depth look in the Timo Meyer last week, uh, and it seems like that smoke is continuing to bellow from those smoke stacks. Um, but it's still very early, and I know we talked about it a little bit offline. It seems like the devils are definitely in. I guess. G- Greer is probably just waiting to see if he can bid up the price a little bit.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. There's not really much new to report on Timo Meyer since the last time we did this uh, podcast. You know, Friedman has said this week that the the Devils really like Meyer and that the the team to watch for him at this point. They really want to try to make it happen. There was the Pierre LeBrun interview with Tom Fitzgerald in the Athletic this week too. I think it went up, got published on Friday. You know, Fitz just essentially said that he wants to add a top six winger that he, who will be around past this season. He's not really looking for a rental at this point. I don't think that means they won't consider rentals, but they're not definitely not going to give up top assets for a rental, which is the smart move. Um, so, yeah, you think if they're going to add someone here, they're going to try to make sure that it would be someone who can be around beyond the 2022-23 season.
0: Yeah, no, definitely, and and to all you Canadians fans that listen to this podcast, no, Josh Anderson is <laughs> not in consideration. Please just sit on that one for a while. Like, yeah, we're it says not taking Josh Anderson.
1: Yeah, it says something that Canadians fans are always trying to get rid of him. It's like, is he actually as good as you guys? And, think he and is? And the is fact he that you get.
0: And the fact that you think you'll get like Simon Nemich for him is just even more baffling. But uh, and
1: they think they could get Dawson Mercer, or Alex Holes for him too, which is just laughable. Like uh, I don't know, I,
0: I, I just Dawson he, Mercer's untouchable.
1: He's not untouchable, but like you're not giving him up for. Uh, okay, he's not
0: untouchable, but he's the level right below untouchable.
1: Yeah, like you're not going to give him up for Josh Anderson. Like if you have to give him up for Timo Meyer, then you have to consider it. But yeah, you're not giving him up for Josh Anderson. That's ridiculous. Same for Holtz. I know Holtz hasn't broken through in the NHL yet, but you're not giving him up for Josh Anderson. That's ridiculous.
0: I mean, I would would give a couple orange cones for Josh Anderson.
1: (laughs) Yeah, uh, and just the cap hit and everything. It just makes zero sense for the Devils.
0: So. Yeah. Uh, I think there was one interesting piece uh, that I heard from Friedman this week, and I can't tell you what publication it came from because he's he's been doing the media tour recently. Um, but he did mention that the Devils have been talking to the Canucks, but not for Bo, Bo Horvat. Um, it looks like they're definitely interested in Besser. And he also mentioned a couple unnamed players uh, that the Devils possibly might be in on. Um, I think you know the Canucks do have some nice pieces up there. It'd be interesting to see who they're inquiring about. I know they've inquired previously about Connor Garland. Uh, I'm not unless uh, it's unless it's a, unless it's a uh, you know minimal picks or a, a low level prospect, I'd maybe stay away from Connor Garland.
1: Yeah, I mean I think Garland, the rumors that the Canucks are gonna buy out Connor Garland this summer, so I would just if they're going to do that and just wait until the summer and get him on like a really cheap deal, that would be yep. the play for Connor Garland. Um, yeah, I think Rick Dalival said that the Thatcher Demko's name has been out there. So I wonder if the Devils are have been talking about the Canucks about Demko. I you know Demko hasn't really been good this season, but I've probably put more of the blame on the team in front of him than him what's uh, Demko his cap himself. hit? I don't know
0: because uh, that's my concern. I don't want to have so much money tied. I mean, let's just say it's at five. That's eight and a half tied up on goalies and uh, yeah.
1: I'm pulling up cap friendly right now. I would assume the Canucks are like uh, yeah, they're there. Okay, let's see. Thatcher Demko is signed through the 2025-26 season at five million dollars. So
0: a little rich for my blood.
1: Yeah, but I think he's worth it. The uh, I mean, if you get rid of him, if you're getting him, that means you're getting rid of Blackwood. So, um, yeah, I don't know. A, Va- a Demko, a Demko, a a Demko Vanacek tandem would be pretty pretty good, I think. So you got to see what the uh, just it definitely hurt, doesn't hurt to inquire there. But uh, I think the name that the Devils are probably more interested in is Brock Besser. Um, you know, he's almost like a Plan
0: B for Timo.
1: Yeah, I'm planning on writing about Besser this week, um, maybe even for tomorrow. Let's see how much I can get done this afternoon. But, um, yeah, I think he might be one of the guys they're discussing as a plan B to Timo Meyer. He's got two years left at $6.65 million, but I'm sure Vancouver would retain a little bit on him. And it was Thomas Drantz who said in The Athletic uh, not too long ago that uh, a Brock Besser trade could look similar to Oliver Bjorkstrand. So, um you know, if the the rumor if that's true, and the price for him is a third or fourth round pick, uh, you know, four, third and fourth round pick, you have to consider it, even though he struggled the last uh, couple of seasons. It's not just really an on ice thing there, too. His dad passed away from dementia recently, too, so we know he's been struggling with some stuff. He might be ice. one of
0: those candidates for for some new scenery.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I would definitely be taking a look at Besser. I think you know he's not a play driver in any sense, but if you just stick him on a line with Jack Hughes. I'm not gonna have to worry about much, honestly.
0: Are you telling me that Brock Besser is a better finisher than Eric Halla?
1: I think yeah, but Besser does the shooty shooty put the puck in the net thing pretty well. So um yeah, Sharon Govich Besser, second line uh, with Hughes obviously would be pretty pretty good.
0: Yeah, okay. Uh oh and I did see um Shang Peng, one of the beat writers for the Sharks, reported Timo's camp is looking for nine million a year. I think that's a little rich uh, considering what, you know, Cairo, Robertson, Rob Thomas all got in the off season. Um, You know, he could want that, but realistically, I think he's closer to eight
1: yeah i I agree with that he can ask for nine million dollars a year and maybe there are teams that would be willing to pay him that much but uh, i think whatever extension he gets with the new team would be closer to eight million dollars. i don't think a it's a, i don't think Bobby. it's a cup
0: contender that would be so he would have to make the decision do you want to be on a good team or do you want to be on a team that can pay you nine million but you're not going to win
1: yeah i think the one team that could pull off the nine million dollar thing is buffalo um and you know it seems like the window is opening there a little bit too but uh I don't know if Buffalo is ready to go big on a trade like that yet. It'd be interesting to see
0: Timo and Tage on a line would scare me.
1: Yeah. That would be uh, pretty terrifying for a lot of teams.
0: (laughs) All right. Um, any other rumors thing? Oh, there was one other thing. I did see a report out of Vancouver that they are very high on Damon Severson. Any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess if you get Bo Horvat, that means you're re-signing Bo H- Horvat to a long-term extension, so maybe he'd be part of that package. But, uh, man, I don't kind of have a hard time seeing – I guess Thatcher Demko, too, would be uh, also someone that Damon Severson could be part of the equation, but I'm not really I mean, sure. yeah, but well. then you would have to get
0: another player back, right? Like, would you do a- – I don't know, package like a Severson, Blackwood and a prospect and a pick for Besser and Demko?
1: Yeah, I I, uh, I guess. I mean, I think that's a lot of money to put on the salary cap to get both Demco and Besser. I don't see like a package like that forming.
0: Yeah, but you're sending a lot of money back the other way too, right? You know, you got Blackwood at two and a half, right, around there. Um and Damon at five and a half. So you're probably adding about three million in cap there if I'm doing the I math. I think right?
1: Damon's at like four point one million now. So
0: Oh okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so it would be a lot um Besser, adding you have better, to send Besser. wood that way too. It's like yeah, but I just the package you don't see trades like that in the NHL, so I don't really think I don't think that would happen. I don't know. That's interesting that I'm not surprised that they like Damon Stevenson because their blue line is terrible and they're looking to retool, not rebuild. And he's a
0: Western hockey guy. You know he's yeah, a Western exactly. Canadian.
1: He played in Kelowna up there. So uh I don't know what a package what between the two teams would look like if Damon Severson's in it, but I guess Bo Horvat or Demko would be one. I I don't think he would be a part of the Brock Besser package. So,
0: and before we get flooded with questions, no, Quinn Hughes is not coming to the Devils.
1: Yeah, they're not. Uh, i i the Canucks. If they want to retool, they're definitely not trading Quinn Hughes. So, um, yeah, that's not happening.
0: Okay, should we get into our three favorite sections of yeah, let's uh, do it. the podcast? Wow, we are already pretty late here. Uh, got a doozy yeah. for you, fans. Um, all right, let's get into stat attack. Alex, why don't you kick us off?
1: Yeah, so I'm going to be looking at expected goals above replacement today, which is goals above replacement, if you don't know what that is. It's just a stat that uh, shows how many goals a team a player adds to his team relative to a replacement level player. Um, kind of sort of talked about this, I think, last week, but, uh, you know, sticking with the bottom six struggles, uh, Eric Holla has a minus 4.9 XGAR this season, Miles Woods at 4.8, Michael McLeod's at minus 0.5, and uh, Dawson Mercer's at minus 0.2, so Mercer's um, struggles are more related to shorthanded being, he hasn't been great, and the penalty kill and XGAR doesn't really do a good job of um looking at penalty kill so but at even strength he's been fine so I probably would ignore that to be honest but uh yeah Wood and McLeod and Holla kind of struggling this season Uh, I mean McLeod's
0: on to be fair McLeod plays a lot of penalty kill minutes too
1: yeah but he's been fine on the penalty kill um that's not the issue with him uh the issue is he has been terrible at five on five so um
0: you're almost getting into passenger status territory with some of those numbers
1: yeah, so uh, I don't know what the devil's plan is for the deadline aside from wanting to add a top six winger, but I definitely think they should be looking at like cheap depth options as like rentals, you know, Nick Bukestad type of player, uh, Nola Chari is someone who might be available from the St. Louis Blues too. I think that's, they should be considering where you, you have to give like a, a, a nothing prospect and uh, like a very like a mid-round pick that probably won't cost you much, something along those lines. So I think they definitely should be considering it because their bottom six has struggled. this season. And I know Holla really hasn't been a bottom six uh, forward for a lot of the season, but I, the last couple games, he's been their third line center. So if he doesn't get it going too, you have to look for some kind of upgrades there, uh, whether it's replacing McLeod or Wood or something. I, I don't think their bottom six is good enough to make a deep playoff run right now. So it's something they should be considering.
0: Yeah, completely agree. So I'm going to switch it up, and I'm going to give you some more of a positive stat because I'm the optimistic one on this podcast. <laughs> um, and I'm going to have a little bit of a rant too. Uh, so my stat is Jack Hughes has 33 goals, and the quote-unquote kid line has 31 goals. Uh, so Rangers fans, just sit on that, really. I mean, just stop with the caco comparisons. Lafayette is trash. The only player that's actually good on that line and is carrying that line is is Cheadle, right? That Cheadle Cheadle's the best player on that line. Um, So, yeah, I'm done with that. That's my stat. Jack Hughes, better than all three of your kids. All right, so just sit on that one. Next, I'm going to touch on Pride Night. Yeah. What what a despicable display from the Rangers. Not only do you choose not to wear the Pride jerseys, then the comments that follow after – were outrageous, no accountability, and and you're basically throwing egg in the face of NYC Pride, who's the organization that teamed up with you for this. You did not notify them that you weren't wearing the Pride jerseys, and you still dro- had them drop the puck. I mean, it's, it's despicable. James Dolan, you are trash. There's no other way of putting it, and now I'll probably be banned from getting into the garden because of his facial recognition software.
1: Yeah, I had read that um, – I think it was like a one of um openly gay congressmen had criticized uh, Madison Square Garden's use of facial recognition and he all of a sudden got uninvited to Pride Night. I think that was just uh, – the you kind of put the pieces together here. It's just James Dolan being a, his typical ma- big ma- petty man-baby self. So
0: um yeah, and, and, the way
1: it looks for sure.
0: And listen, everyone got on the flyers about what happened with Provorov, but at least the flyers put Provorov out for media availability. You know, he had to stand there and answer. They still wore the jerseys as a team and still celebrated the LGBT plus community. The Rangers just threw a huge egg in the face of the LGBT community. And and I also want to
1: New York City too. like, come on. Yeah.
0: I mean, the pride capital of US outside of maybe San Francisco. Um, I also want to give a shout out to the beat writer for the New York Rangers, Molly. Oh,
1: yeah. Um, She's cool. She was with me at Hockey Writers for a little bit a few years ago.
0: She did a great job covering this story and rightfully calling out the organization. Um, I would really be interested to hear from a, a Chris Kreider or a Jacob Truba, um, you know, the leadership core on that team of why they didn't wear the jerseys. That question needs to be answered. Hands uh, down, it needs to okay. be answered.
1: It was in her reporting, if I remember right, that uh, the jerseys, like the players were expecting to wear the jerseys and they just weren't there for them uh, in the locker room. And they were just like, "Okay, so sorry,
0: I missed that. So, I mean, but still, if you're the captain of the team, you 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 have some say, right?
1: I don't think so. I mean, if James Dolan. You think it was
0: you think this came from up top? Oh, yeah. Above Drury. You think this was strictly James Dolan?
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Okay, well, then fine. James Dolan, you are trash. Yeah,
1: i definitely th- i mean that's speculating but we know his history at this point i definitely think it came from up top
0: yeah it's you're a poverty organization that's all okay. i have to say okay let's get into devil's dungeon alex why don't you kick us off
1: yeah so devil's dungeon i'm gonna have to put the i, I don't want to put a hot juke in there because he's uh you know he's just a young defender but the you know brendan smith and him had a rough week um this week uh a was a healthy scratch against dallas as he should have been kevin ball came back in the lineup and played pretty well there but uh yeah smith and had a had a rough week and on that third pair so yeah i gotta stick them in there um for the week just didn't play well enough and uh Part of the reason why they were so bad against the the team was to struggle so much against Nashville was the, the third pair struggles there, and they need a little more. They, they need Marino to come back. That way it slides Severson back into the third pair role and gives them better defensive depth. I think that would make a big difference for them moving forward.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's, you know, I, I mean, I think that's the easy choice, right? I mean, they, they, they had a pretty poor week. Um, I think for me, I'm probably going to throw Hala in the, in the dungeon. Um, you, you read some of the stats in stat attack um, Just not He's not playing the heavy game I expected I expected him to be gritty, great on the 4 check Obviously great from the dot, just not seeing it He seems a little lost And hopefully the 10 day break And some consistency with lines will help him Because I think it's been pretty obvious Jack was carrying him for quite a while yeah. um so now that he's going to be, hopefully be the established third line center where we all thought he would start the season and play um let's see if you can get some get some feet under him and, and start producing where we would expect him to yeah agreed all right that's that's my devil's dungeon let's move into three stars of the week alex why don't you start us off
1: Yeah, so third star. Uh, got to go with the goaltending tandem again. uh, Blackwood, even though in a loss, was very good against Nashville. Um, and Vanacek was great in his two starts against Vegas and Dallas. Uh, Vegas game, and the you know they they were the better team, but against Dallas, he really needed to make some saves to keep the Devils within striking distance, and even Mm -hmm. at times. you know obviously we've mentioned it before he's 9-0-0 in his last nine starts and he has like a 930 save percentage across that stretch so he's been fantastic a big reason why they went 9-2 and 2 this month um so yeah i got to give it to the goal sending tandem for third star of the week
0: yeah uh i it's tough to to go against that um i'm it's just Uh, They're probably my honorable star of the week. Um, It's just tough if you give up six goals against in a game. I guess, I don't know, top three star of the week just doesn't jive with me, even outside of how outrageous VTech has been this week. And I love VTech, and we've given them all the praise. Um, But I think someone that kind of went a little bit under the radar and still produced at a great level this week was Nico Heischer um he's going to be my third star of the week and he missed it last week but i think Nico has been the one constant this season and, and we even kind of touched on it earlier this this episode it's like you know if we need to get a player going put him on Nico's line right we need to get Palak going Nico got him going we need to get Zetterlin or totar going put him with Nico and and he's just been consistently uh producing points playing tough minutes against the other lines top players um I know he didn't score this week, but he did rack up some assists. So for me, Nico's the third star.
1: Yeah. That's uh it's always Nico's almost like a safe bet to be in three stars at this point, much like Jack.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I guess my question for you is, is cause I think we probably have the same second and first stars. I'm curious to see what your order is.
1: Yeah. So I'm going with Jack as the second star, um, six points this week, three goals, three assists, uh, <laughs> what's there to say about him at this point he's been insane this season. the season's on pace for 55 goals 107 points um you know brian gianta's single season goal record definitely looks like it's in jeopardy uh with jack so yeah he's my second
0: star yeah i'm i would agree with you right uh Jack has been outrageous this this week. Uh, I think the PK reaction on ESPN was great and it keeps getting played over and over again. Yeah, it was left out of adjectives, words to describe what Jack means to this team, what he means to the league now, too. Uh, consistently, the Devils are now getting flexed into national games. And we didn't touch on this uh, yet, but the Devils-Bruins game, April 8th, got flexed into an ABC slot, not ESPN and Hulu, ABC. I mean, yeah. you 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 don't even have to have a cable subscription and you can watch this game with satellite you know the 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 little thing you plug into the tv the free tv so um that that i I, if you told me that the beginning of the season i wouldn't have believed you um and that's all because of what jack is doing on the ice and um hopefully you know becoming one of the faces of the league uh as this season continues
1: yeah that's definitely a big deal for the team for sure
0: okay uh i think uh we both agree on the first star Dougie? Dougie. Teach me how to Dougie. I mean, Dougie's week this week was outrageous. Game-tying goals, game-winning goals, three-assist nights, uh, Norris-type stuff.
1: Yeah, he had uh, so two goals this week, three primary assists, four assists. Total, 16 shots on goal in three games, which is insane. This is at all strengths, by the way. 25 shot attempts, 13 scoring chances. He's a defenseman, so like – that's pretty. You don't see that's like Brent Burns in his peak when he uh, and Brent Burns is still a pretty good defenseman at his age. But uh, when Brent Burns was really in his prime, that's what this is. What Dougie Hamilton looks like right now. So, yeah, he was ridiculous. And very
0: similar builds too, right? You know that long, you know wrister and um, and and I think Dougie obviously has his defensive lapses, but I also think he's very good at stopping uh, rushes the other way because how good he is at judging pucks at the blue line and also in the um, in the central zone too um, he he stops them with that long reach or, or great anticipation um, outstanding week from Dougie minus the Predators game even though he still had three assists
1: yeah it was more of a defensive thing in that game but he's still off that's why he's offensively he just makes up for it so yeah, he's my yeah. first star. Easy one yeah. for me
0: this week. He he has been fantastic and earning every bit of that contract.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: All right, um, Alex, is there anything? I mean, we got the week off. We've got uh, 10 days off, really. Uh, Jack's going to the All-Star game. Um, anything you, you want to touch on here?
1: No, nah, you know, just the week off. Um, I, mean, I'll be writing a lot of like trade profile stuff this week since they got the week off, but uh, yeah, I would mean, just enjoy the week off before the stretch run of the season gets on their way.
0: And with the devils being off, that means we are off. So we will not be back until the twelfth. Does that sound about right to you, Alex? Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll be taking a little bit of a break. Uh, obviously, if anything breaks in between. Um, you know, we'll, we'll maybe do an emergency pod and address that. And, um, but outside of that, I think we're going to take a, a week or two off. Uh, the Devils return on February 6th at home against the Canucks. Uh, maybe they'll leave Brock Besser before they leave. Uh, then they have the Kraken on the 9th and then finish up that week away with the Minnesota Wild on the 11th. My eyes, uh, probably four out of six points that week.
1: Yeah, you would hope uh, you could at least get the Canucks in the Kraken game um, or one of the Kraken in the wild game. Um, Yeah, I think they're going to want to –
0: oh, sorry, continue.
1: Yeah, no, they've been good against the Western Conference this year. So, uh, yeah, hopefully some more wins.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I think they probably didn't play the the way they wanted to against that Kraken team. That was the fifth game of a long road trip. Um, So, you know – I know the Devils haven't been the best at home, but they've started to pick it up and I think they're really going to come play in that game.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, cracking one of the top teams in the Western conference as well. So it should be a good one.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, Alejandro, uh, anything you want to plug?
1: Uh no, because I haven't started any, writing anything yet. Uh, but yeah, I'm my next trade profile was originally going to be on Kuzmenko, but since the Canucks resigned them, forget that at this point. So I'm going to flip to Brock. Besser. Outrageous deal, by the way. Yeah, that was a that was a strange one. But uh, yeah, next one will be on Brock Besser, and then I don't know what the rest of the week is going to look like. But uh, probably some more trade stuff moving forward here. Try to do a couple of those, at least a couple of those a week, leading up to the trade deadline, and then. Uh, you know regular stuff i've been doing with takeaways and for games and stuff like that so uh but yeah i'll be busy this week
0: all right fantastic and with that being said that is a wrap on episode 18 thank you everyone for listening hope everyone has a great all-star break and we'll be back with you in february let's go devils